the last you are listening to the Freshwater Bite Podcast. Hey, all you good people. Welcome back to episode number two of the Freshwater Bite Podcast. Hopefully the weather's changing in your neck of the woods wherever you're listening. We got dumped on again here in mid-April in northern Michigan with a bunch of snow. I'm about done with that. But the good news is, is I have a new episode for you guys with Joe Bricko. Joe is the owner of JT Outdoor Products, and he stopped by today to talk about how he got started in the fishing industry from a business standpoint of having this great idea with a product called the Hotbox and how he brought that to market and his success over the last five years and how that's just snowballed into him making ice rods and open water long rods that are turning heads in the fishing industry. And he has a lot of big names and great pro staff that are helping him do that. Joe's a great guy and I think you guys are really going to enjoy him. So super stoked that he stopped by and without any further ado, I introduce to you Joe Bricko, everybody. Well, hey, Joe Bricko, owner of JT Outdoor Products is on with us. Thanks for coming and uh, spending some time with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Um, I understand that uh, this time of the year, you're a very busy dude, and we'll get into the the reasons why. But you released four new rods this year. Um, but before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about, or you talk a little bit about to everybody, what is JT Outdoor Products and kind of the history of it and where it all got started? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, so where it all got started, uh, was with a product that we call the hot box. So that was, uh, that was our first, uh, product, uh, release and where everything got going. And this was a product that, um, you know, I, I built for myself, uh, originally going on almost, almost 10 years ago now. And, uh, with no intentions of, uh, bringing it, bringing it to the market. Uh, we just basically saw a, uh, a problem in the ice industry and, um, we, we created a solution. Now what that product is, is, uh, it's a heated fishing system. So in Minnesota here, I mean, obviously just like where you're from Lee, we do, we do a ton of ice fishing. And one of the major issues is uh, having the holes freeze up, um, tip ups, you know, if it's, uh, anywhere near zero or, or even consider it anywhere below zero, uh, they're going to freeze in. So we were having a lot of problems with that. So that's where we created this hot box, which is a basically a, a heated fishing system. It's heated with a one pound one pound uh, propane cylinder, uh, keeps the hole open down to uh, minus thirty degrees for up to twenty five hours. So that's something that I built for my own personal use, and um, I guess I got into the business because of that. Really, because of peer pressure, I would call it. Uh, everyone that saw that is like, man, you got to bring this thing to market. Got to bring it to market. So. Finally, we did, and that was our first product. And at that time, we really didn't know, we really didn't have a vision for how far we wanted to grow the company. But that was uh, that was the first product, and one thing led to another. And now here we are. We got uh, almost 50 SKUs. When you say we, who is we in the uh, JT? Yeah, so it's uh, it's my dad and I, and then we have a uh, uh, sales manager who is uh, 
Chris Granroot, legendary guide uh, in northern Minnesota. But the original members, uh, it was my dad and I. And, and uh, my dad brings a really important part to the to the business. He has a background uh, as a mechanical engineer and uh, has uh, 30-some years of experience in new product development and uh, 15 world patents. So it's uh, that's that was a, a critical thing to making this all work. So he does all the design work. I come up with crazy ideas and he actually makes them work. So uh, it's my dad and I, and that's where you get the JT, uh, Joe and Tom. So, so that's, uh, that's the owners of the business. How many years did you guys just sell that before you started to get into, um, the rods? Well, it didn't take very long and that's, uh, you know, I think that's why we are where we are today. So the the backstory on that is I, I brought that product to uh, our second trade show. So we went to a local show here in uh, in Minnesota called the Blaine Hardwater Ice Show, uh, which takes place uh, right around uh, Thanksgiving time. And then our second show was uh, in Milwaukee, and uh, that's where everything kind of changed for me. I was setting up and. Uh, at that time, I, we joke about this, but it's it's actually true. We had a basically had a backdrop that was handwritten with a sharpie, so it was, you know, we were we were just throwing stuff together, just trying to see if we could uh, drum up some interest and going super low budget, and had a couple couple units on hand, and we're taking uh, some pre-orders, and I was setting up, and I think about the whole place was kind of laughing at us, but um, uh, Gary Parsons actually approached me and. Uh, for the listeners who don't know who that is, he's um, Hall of Fame angler, uh, has the television show Next Bite TV. Um, I believe it's the most highly watched TV show of all time. And uh, the, he's one of the all-time leading money winners on the Wally Tour. So it's a guy I, I pretty much idolize coming from a tournament background. Uh, I looked up for my setup and there he was standing at our booth and couldn't hardly believe my eyes. But I'll never forget what he said. He he was like, you, you don't know what you have here, do you? And I went into my whole sales pitch that I have practiced over and over a hundred times. And it was like, oh, no, it's a heated ice fishing system. And he goes, no, no, I know what it is. He goes, yeah, yeah. So he's like, no, I know exactly what it is. I'm just telling you, you, you don't know how big this is. So uh, I was all ears at that point. And he, uh, he went on to say he was uh, trying to develop something similar and they uh, – they failed pretty miserably at it. So, uh, they were trying to create what he called a whole heater and, uh, they were doing that for a, a real unique bite. Um, actually in your state Lee, uh, in the, in the UP of Michigan, they were on this perch bite where they use these dead stick rods and, uh, they would spread them out and, um, you know, it was the most effective method. So they were trying to create a whole heater and it wasn't working too well for them. So anyway, um, by the end of that show, we had, uh, we had laid out some uh, a rough uh, agreement on how we could team up on that product, and and that was uh, that was really my break. Uh, you know, without that and getting tied in with those guys, I, I don't think uh, I don't think we'd be here. Yeah, that was pretty. That's got to be pretty cool to have one of your heroes kind of you know a little you know take you under your wing, and you did something that uh, he's been trying to accomplish, and he's been in the industry a very long time. Um, can you talk to a little bit on you know? to other entrepreneurs out there, maybe in the outdoor industry who have an idea for a product, what, what advice would you give them to be successful? Obviously lucky breaks like that. Um, I mean, is it kind of just putting yourself out there on a whim, like going to that first show where all you have is a black Sharpie 
and a white piece of paper to put up who you are, pay the money and just, you know, a hope and a prayer or just knowing that you have a good product? Well, fake it till you make it. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think I do believe in that. I mean, you, you got to get out there. You, you got to, you got to start somewhere. You know, it's amazing how pieces just seem to fall in place if you have the, if you have the drive to do it, but you, you got to be willing to, you know, start like that. A lot of guys are, you know, don't want to put themselves out there and, um, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta do it. I mean, even if the whole place is laughing at you, you gotta, you gotta get your start. And it's, you know, it's amazing the connections and the opportunities that just, they, they start happening. So my advice would be, is always, you know, a new product uh, development is you, you gotta find, you gotta find a solution to a problem. Um, if there's a problem that exists and you can solve it, then I think you have a viable product. I think where people fail is they try to create something that, uh, isn't really, isn't really solving a problem. And then it's, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to create demand around that. So make sure you find the right product for your, for your first one. And yeah, just, just get out there, go to the show and, uh, don't be afraid to, to make that uh, backdrop by hand with a, with a marker that looks like a kid did it. Cause it, it, it doesn't matter. You, you just got to get out there. You got to make connections, start meeting people. And it's, it's never the first product really that makes you. That's just, uh, that just opens the door for you. And that's the case with the hot box. Um, it's not our lead selling product. Obviously you know that, um, mm-hmm. but it, it did open opportunities for us to, um, expand into, into different, into different rods. But without that stepping stone, um, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here. So that's, that's my best advice. You know, if there's a will, there's a way and you just, you got to have the drive, you got to have the passion and you got to, you got to be willing to, got to be willing to stick with it. I mean, we've really taken some bumps and bruises and all nighters. And I mean, we're, we're still, we're still in the trenches really, you know, and this is, this is five years later. Yeah, exactly right. And I know you're more of your day to day of what you have to go through, but, um, you can let everyone know and speak more on it, but I know from, you know, being on the forums on Facebook, uh, your wife, Andrea obviously is heavily involved in the business as well, but she'll tell us that you've been up to three in the morning building rods or perfecting something. And I think that that hard work, not a lot of people are willing to put in, or if they want to be successful, that's the kind of work that you got to put in and then still wake up at 6am or 7am and go to your day job. Yeah. And, and really I'm, I'm still in that mode and you, you have to, you have to do that. Um, it really is about, about the hard work and it's, uh, yeah, just a a ton of late nights. It's very common for me to work till after midnight. Um, if something absolutely has to get done, it, it might be two or three in the morning and, you know, there's a lot of people out there like, yeah, I've done that. And I'm like, have you done that consistently for five years every day? Well, right. no, that, that's, that's what it takes. Right. You know, it, it's, and, and I think that's where people, um, where they bail out. It's just, it's, it's too much for them, but it's, you know, to create a, a business that's worth anything, man, you really gotta, you really gotta go the extra mile. And, um, it's very, very difficult, if not impossible, in my opinion, to just quit your, your regular job that's bringing steady income and just say, all right, I'm going to start an outdoor product company. There's so many expenses that you don't think about to actually create a business that, that you could live on. It's, um, I just don't see how it could be done. 
So you almost have to be willing to start it up as a, as a second job and just absolutely work your tail off until, you know, you can, uh, you can get enough of a following and, um, hire people and, and, you know, all the things it takes to have a successful business, but it just, it's, it's not, you're not just going to quit and just start it up and, you know, half a year later be enjoying this, this great profit. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the other thing too, is if people wanted to start to get into something, you got to find what you're passionate about. Cause I think, and you can speak on this, but it's probably passion that's keeping you up at night until 3am. If it's something that you thought you could just make money on and you didn't know too much about it or you weren't passionate about it, it probably wouldn't keep you up that late or you might not be here five years later. Yeah. I would have quit, uh, about four years and, you know, eight months ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it really is, uh, you know, the passion. I mean, I've, I'm from, from day one, since I could hold a fishing rod, I've just had a ton of passion for fishing rods and fishing in general and tournament fishing. So, um, if you don't have that, that deep rooted, you know, passion near insanity, um, it's going to be, it's going to be very difficult to push through those times that are just almost unbearable. So, um, yeah, find your passion and just, uh, be willing to put in the hard work. And, you know, like I said, when, when you do that, it's just amazing. The, uh, the people that you'll meet and the opportunities that, that fall into place. And, um, it just, things have a, have a way of working out if you're, if you're willing to, willing to put in the hard work. Yeah. That's been the thing that I found out so far too, is networking. You'll be amazed how many people, especially in this industry, um, the fishing industry, willing to, to lend a hand out, to educate you, to help you out, introduce you to people. It's a smaller world, a super small world. When you think about it, especially in the freshwater fishing industry, it's more specific to the Midwest. Um, you know, it's not uncommon to run into some of these big name tournament anglers that you see at your local Bass Pro or wherever. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, I used to kind of be on the outside looking at these guys thinking they were, you know, untouchable and would never, you know, have a conversation with you. And boy, I was, uh, I was quite wrong about, uh, about that and how they're, how they're willing to, willing to help. Um, you know, I, I talk a lot about, the the guys at the, at the next bite with, uh, Gary Parsons and Keith Gavias and, and Chase and, you know, what they've done for me and, you know, all the help and, and support and, and, and wisdom, um, has been, been amazing. So, uh, people are willing to help. I mean, you'd be, you'd be really, really surprised. Um, just be willing to, uh, spark up a, a conversation. So everybody I've talked to that, that I thought was at a, at a level so high that they wouldn't have any interest are really, uh, quite willing to help. Right. And then gaining momentum with this hot box and then getting into now the rod industry, um, more specifically, I think you said you started with the ice fishing rod industry and now we're, you know, you are well into a few products into the open water as well. What made you think that you could break into that as well? Because there is a ton of fishing rods out there right now. Yeah, it's a super daunting task. Um, it's another thing that, that seems like the near impossible because you're going to have your, your household names that, you know, they just seem like such a Goliath that you'd never be able to, you know, compete there. Uh, you think of St. Croix and, and G Loomis and, you know, those household names. And then you go to your, your local, uh, 
a sporting goods store and it's just there's just hundreds of brands you know literally so it was a pretty a pretty daunting task originally and a lot of people said you're you're crazy because we we're selling a higher end product that you know it it took these companies years and years to to build up to those price points and you know we came we came right out with a high-end high-performance elite advantage rod we didn't we didn't work up from say your $80 rod um you know with just mid-level components we went right to the top end because our mission from from day one has always been we want to create you know products that give give anglers uh an elite advantage so we're trying to create the best rod out there uh it's pretty tough to break into the into the market you know that way but um you know it's it's all about it's all about marketing so i was fortunate enough to to team up with uh chris granroot who is now uh the sales manager and marketing director here at uh at jt outdoor products and you know without you know without his social media skills and, and his his marketing you know savvy i don't i don't think it would have been it would have been possible so um, it's, it's really, it's marketing has a, has a lot to do with, uh, with being successful. Right. And story has it, Chris was actually looking for a rod builder or a company to take the technology to the next level too. Yeah. And that was just through uh social media. I saw the post on Facebook and I had already entered down the path of, uh, of building rods and, um, Granted, it wasn't uh, long rods yet. It was it was ice rods, and those two things are entirely different animals. I was starting to to learn the learn the process, and then coupled with my dad's you know engineering experience, um, you know he knew what it what it took to get to a uh, you know a, a high end blank and, and what the compositions are and what the characteristics were um, to to achieve that. So, um, so I, I, like I said, I had, I had already been, uh, building some, some ice rods cause that was kind of the next step in our, kind of in our, in our growth. Once I, once I teamed up with the next bike crew, they had asked me to, you know, work on, uh, a, um, a dead stick rod, which today we call the snare rods, which is really kind of taken the ice world by, by storm. So I, once I figured out the uh, process and how that works and how to, how to, how to source components. And, and once I learned and establish those relationships. Um, it was a pretty natural transition into, uh, into summer rods. And that's where, that's where Chris came in and we started the development work and worked through, uh, uh, prototyping for an entire summer. And then we released the, uh, the summer rod that we call the, uh, the JTX series. And explain to everyone now you JT owns their own blanks in the technology can you just give a little background behind that of what that means to someone who might not know that or they just see other rods like you can build yours out of a magazine yeah i mean there's there's a ton of blanks out there that are you know that are available that are you know they've they're already been specified and they're you know available and a number of different actions and lengths and uh different grades and and everything um what we did, which is a little bit different, is we, we set out to, to specify and design our, our own load curves. So that's what that's what makes it unique to us. I mean, there 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 are actions, and the reason we did that is because we wanted uh, real specific uh, performance uh, with that. So, of course, we took some of our favorite rods from the past, and um, you know, talked about how we would uh, tweak these. 
and then it, it really started from a, a blank sheet of paper and that's something that we call the call load chart so that all that all happens here and once we develop uh, those load charts uh, you're able to to replicate that and then we we basically create our own mandrels and have our have our own uh, have our own load load and, and actions uh, that's proprietary to JT Outdoor Products. So that's where it's a little bit different, it, you know, in, in that design and, and engineering. Instead of just being a, a rod assembler, we're actually doing the the engineering up front to, you know, create those really specific uh, rod actions so we can come out with those technique specific rods. So and this is all based on input that we get from uh, that we get from staff. And again, we're just trying to trying to fill a void. We're trying to create something that doesn't exist. And when I say it doesn't exist, there'll be a, you know, a certain type of bite where you need a certain type of, of rod, a certain length and action and power curve. So that's that's what we're doing. And someone, you know, who's purchased a rod from, let's just say their local big store, uh, might not feel or know the advantages of having a technique specific rod, like you said, because, you know, it's it's a certain bite at times will require a certain action in a rod and uh you know you can't go out there with your trusty rusty that you got for forty dollars and maybe feel a light bite you're not going to have that advantage and jt has done a good job of coming out with rods for a specific bite and that's a great thing that you guys are able to offer but i think the problem is some fishermen just have not allowed themselves that option of a higher end blank in their hand to feel that energy transfer. Yeah. And you're, you're always going to get guys that, that, that say that. And sure. I mean, there's certain days that, uh, you know, that, that any rod will work. Um, but again, we're trying to, we're trying to create that, that elite advantage and, uh, without question, a high end rod is going to help you put more fish in the boat. Um, even the guys that, that argue with this and, you know, have their, their old trusty favorite that might be a $50 combo. Um, even when I let these guys use the rod, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty quick to, you know, admit that. So it just depends on, on what, uh, what you determine is a successful day. Right. Um, some guys just want to get out on the water and, uh, success for them is, you know, just being away from the wife, so to speak. So might my rods might not be for them but if if your definition of success is is getting out there and, and catching as and landing as many fish as you possibly can then we're probably a, a pretty good pretty good fit for you so you know it's like it's like any other tool i mean you have high-end tools and you have low-end tools and you know that the better tool is going to give you a better performance and uh, help you be more more successful so there definitely is something to it um <laughs> It's not just uh, it's not just all hype. I mean, there's a wide variety of components. Um, blank technology is huge. It, it's so widespread in, in different degrees of uh, of how that is done. And it's not just the blank too. Like you went out and found everything else that needs to be assembled on the rod. Like how did you find the best eyelets and the best reel seats and you know cork and everything? I mean, I'm sure a lot of thought and research goes into buying different brands and quality of that as well yeah guy you mentioned guides that's that's huge i mean there's a ton of weight in the rod and in guides and uh, the lighter you can make the rod the more sensitive it, it's gonna it's gonna be um so guides are guides are huge so it's just it's really 
you know, just, just sourcing and, um, you know, just prototyping and messing with different, um, combinations. And, um, you know, there's a lot of different grades of components, everything from, from handles to, to guides to, you know, and that's, that full package is what, what makes the rod. Um, there's a lot of, there's even a lot of science into guide placement and how it falls on the, on the bend or low curve of the rod, you know, the number of guides, type of guides, type of handles, uh, there's a lot of different grades of cork. So corks, you know, something that's becoming difficult to source because every industry uh, competes for cork and it's, you know, it's only produced in Spain and Portugal. So it's, uh, you know, it's a pretty isolated area where cork production is. So it's, uh, you know, it's even sourcing good corks difficult. Right. Well, I don't think too many guys think about all that when they're holding different rods in their hands. So that's great. That's, you know, someone like you out there, like you said, it starts with that passion to stay up at night and constantly thinking about eyelet placing on rods. I mean, that's getting pretty down to the nitty gritty, but you've got, you've got great products. Obviously marketing's huge to help this thing grow. What else was key to your business model with, um, you know, distribution and staff? Yeah, and this is where we're very unique. Uh, most people that start an outdoor products company, the first thing they're they're thinking is getting product placement in a in a big box store. Uh, we went just the opposite route. <laughs> surprise, surprise! We did a lot of things unorthodox, and uh, <laughs> you know, and again, everyone said, "Well, that's that's crazy. That that's not the way things are are done." And we said, "Well, this is what we're going to do." <laughs> And, and we're going to do it through uh, field staff. Um, and really, I sat down and sketched this out on a napkin with uh, with uh, Chris Granrud, our, our sales manager. And uh, there there was one common theme that that really resonated uh, with me. And I didn't exactly know what I was going to do with the information, but I knew that something had to be done. And what I'm talking about is uh, your traditional staff. Uh, really being taken advantage of. So talking to higher level guys that have been in the industry and are trying to make a living in the industry, every single one of them, common theme said, man, it's these, these people are are working their tail off and um, you know, they're, they're not getting paid or getting paid so very little that they just, they they can't, uh, you can't survive in the, in the industry that the fishing industry and maybe even the hunting industry um, really, uh, uses staff, uh, really as free sales reps. And I, I always thought that was, that was wrong. Everybody's got to get, get paid for their work. Um, you know, even guys at the level of, uh, you know, of, of Gary Parsons said, yeah, you know, there's so many deals that, uh, you know, the only, only return is, you know, a sweatshirt and a hat and they're out there spending hundreds of hours promoting for these companies. I thought, well, that's absolutely crazy. I mean, why is that acceptable in this, in this industry? So, uh, we set out to change it. And what we do instead of going, uh, you know, the box store route where they're going to, you know, take their 50% margins from you. Uh, we essentially took the, the Mary Kay model to the, to the fishing world. So it's, um, our distribution and sales are through, through pro staff. And this allows them to actually be paid for their, for their contributions. So like, you know, being one of our, our staff members, if you, if you do a good job and you, 
you sell some product, uh, you're the one being uh, compensated for your for your hard work. So um, we thought uh, we thought we could change the industry, and that model's really worked well. Not only just for uh, for the staff guy, but really really for the the consumer. Um, this this allows for uh, for for less uh, levels of uh, markup. Um, so I can I can offer a higher end product with higher end components at a at a much lower price. I mean, a lot of people will compare our rod to the G Loomis uh, NRX, uh, which is a six hundred dollar rod, and we have um, similar or better components with what I would consider to be a higher end blank because I know the science behind it for fifty percent of the MSRP of that rod, and that's just because that rod is distributed through the box store. It's uh, it just takes that much. Um, extra dollars to to get yourself into the into the box store because all the different levels of markup and and what a box store needs and overhead to to just remain viable and, and keep their door open they they got to be making that forty five to fifty points. Yeah, and I think too with the staffers, um, they're the ones who are using these rods every day. So not only are they a good voice for JT, which you you know you've handpicked, but it's also the people testing the rods a year and a half before they come out with new releases. So you're getting honest feedback from guys who are now passionate about the actual technology and getting into the whole business culture as a, you know, as one big group rather than just another field, or I'm sorry, just another soldier in the field who is saying what he has to say to keep that hat or sweatshirt. Yeah, that's a, that's an awesome point. Um, so yeah, we, heavily rely on on staff for for development um i I truly believe and i'll uh, i'll say that i have i have the the best staff possible i mean we've as you know we've added uh uh nwt angler in the year and robert blosser and longtime nwt angler and when i say nwt i mean the national walleye tour i mean this is the the highest level in uh tournament fishing um, with uh, Brett King and Joe Okada and um, get input from the next bite guys. We have a lot of legendary guides. We have a lot of people that are really high-end anglers. So uh, not are they not only are staff super important to the to the sales model and distribution because that's how I sell product, they're also critical in the in the development. So um, I get information from these guys. Um, they're prototyping. Uh, we're getting feedback. A lot of this stuff is one to two years in, in development, and I, I know firsthand because I've, I've been been around this a, a bit that there's big companies that do very little testing. They'll make it look really, really pretty. They'll put it together, and you got to remember a lot of a lot of times these higher suits at this company, they're not even fishermen. They don't fish at all, and they're right. they're doing the development work. Super scary. It's just marketed, and through a powerful brand. You slap your logo on there, the brand carries you, doesn't mean it's a good tested product. Right. Has any big box stores or any of these higher, larger companies come after you in any way to be like, hey, would you consider coming over here? Or, I mean, I think your your model has blown up in the last five years and the amount of success and the amount of technology and new rods that you've been able to come out, come out with, something's got to be working. Have, have you been asked by some of these other companies like crazy so i mean all the major ones have reached out on on multiple occasions the the Mm. problem i'd have with that is i I would have to increase the price and be like everybody else because it's 
for people that don't don't understand what it what it takes to get a, a product uh, to work in in the retail environment it's uh you got to have a lot of margin in there so it's uh you know manufacturer needs to needs to make their cut is distributed through a rep group rep group needs a markup and then you know those those big commercial uh, storefronts with all those big bills and all that big overhead well they they got to pay those bills somehow and to do that they need a they need a pretty hefty markup you know on that product so people don't realize when they when they take that rod or any kind of product for that matter out of the big box store you know there's there's 60 70 percent in there that's not a a tangible thing on that on that purchase it's just all markup through through middleman and um so it's uh we can we can obviously run a lot leaner that way we don't we don't have the big the big storefront so we can uh we can take that uh that cost of the consumer out of that product so you're you know when the consumer walks away with our product they're they're actually paying for componentry that went into that so we're able to put higher higher levels of componentry at a at even a lower uh, purchase price and that right there i think is so huge a lot of people don't realize exactly what they're getting in their product of where everything comes from and why is it so expensive you know for jt to break it down like that to give the highest quality at the cheapest price um is probably one of the best best business models out there and i and i hope you guys never stop doing that but getting back to your love for fishing how do you balance your passion for fishing which sparked your business idea and still having that time to actually go out and do just that fish. Well, there, there's always downside to business and that, uh, that certainly has taken a back burner for me. Um, cause some people always say don't ever get a job in your passion cause it'll ruin it for you. Has it ruined it for you at all? It certainly hasn't ruined it. It's probably up my passion. Um, but it, it has uh, it has taken away from from a lot of a lot of time on on the water, which. But you gotta you gotta you gotta pay your dues, you know, and um, you know as you start to grow and you can start adding resource and and, and some other help, you know, you you hope to you know uh, alleviate that. So, um, so that said, I mean, I, I was okay with, uh, you know, with giving up some of my fishing time to to make to make this work. But one thing that that I didn't give up is. Uh, is the tournaments I fish. So that's, um, it works because they're planned, they're scheduled in they're they're paid for. So, yeah. And this guy who doesn't fish as often as he wants to still comes out and wins the Minnesota state championship, uh, tournament for the aim series, right? Yes. It'd be better to be lucky than good. Sometimes. <laughs> what was your guys final weighing on that? Oh man. We had a, we had a two day total in the upper, 50 pound range so we had over a 30 pound bag uh on on the first day so we had uh you know and it's it's five fish so 10 10 fish total so we almost had a six pound average so it was uh you know it's it's the times when uh when all the stars align right not that we didn't do our homework because we 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 really dug into our network deep which is a benefit of this business so um really good really good network uh structure there and uh, one of our staff guys, uh, Eric Anderson was just, was just huge in helping out. And, you know, that was, uh, that's one of his waters. So he, uh, he helped a lot, um, during pre-fish, but, um, what lake was it on? 
I was up on Lake Vermilion in uh, in northern Minnesota, and it was uh, it was oh, okay. a really special deal to to uh, to win the uh, the Minnesota State Championship, which has qualified us for uh, the national championship. Uh, they call it the they call it the shootout. Uh, that's where the the ten top teams from from each each division. There's three divisions. There's Minnesota, uh, North Dakota, and Wisconsin. So the top 10 teams from last year now will all come together um, on the Chippewa Flowage in Wisconsin, and uh, we'll be competing for a uh, a brand new Warrior boat. So valued over sixty thousand dollars. So now we're swinging for the swinging for the big prize against uh, all the best from each division. So I'm getting pretty excited for that. That's going to be uh, uh, first week of June. So the homework is already happening in between product development and shipping and all the all the things that that need to occur to to keep the business flowing so got to find time to to piece that into but um really looking forward to that as mentioned yeah you better plan that out right with your with the jt rod business too at the same time that's a busy season for you yeah it's a it's a super busy season um what worked on Lake Vermilion for you guys, if you don't mind divesting just a little bit of your, your knowledge that, that helped you out there? Well, it was, it was very, very unique. <laughs> it was, uh, it was late summer and it was, uh, during a time period on that lake where, where the lake is, is just jammed tight with, uh, with, with forage. So everybody was complaining during practice, man, there's beautiful marks everywhere. And when I say marks, that's uh, that's visual um, fish on your uh, on your sonar. So you could go to basically any piece of structure, and you could see which everybody knew were were walleye marks. The problem with that was trying to get those fish to bite. They were so well fed. Um, people were throwing everything they could imagine at those fish, and it just seemed nearly impossible to to get a bite. So right then and there, I knew that I had to do something a little bit differently. Everyone was trying to force feed them fish and it just wasn't happening. So, um, I didn't want to kick a dead horse. So I had to start thinking outside of the box. So, uh, and this was after, you know, three or four days of practice when it just, it wasn't going well for us. And we're getting, we're getting down to the wire. We only had a few days of practice left. And I actually had to, I actually had to go home to get back to my, my day job. And when I came up with this idea that we had to, we had to look to a real aggressive, uh, run and gun type of approach. So what my tournament partner, uh, Dylan Mackey and I dreamt up was, uh, just hitting the, hitting the primo spots, uh, for those of listeners that don't, don't know what Lake Vermilion is or, or haven't been to Lake Vermilion. Um, there's just, there's literally a, a zillion good spots everywhere you turn is a premium looking point mid lake humps. And I mean, there's, you could spend lifetimes in not even hit a fraction of uh of the spots on that lake the, the structure is just a- everywhere so it was pretty daunting but you just we just looked at the map and said okay what's the most premier you know looking fingers on a mid lake hump or you know the most predominant looking best you know shoreline you know points the most defined you know areas that were you know you could hit them in five to ten minutes and what we did is we uh actually took a spinning rod we took the 7.1 uh, JTX, which is a medium light, and we put deep diving crankbaits on them. You know, you tell people this, and they, they absolutely laugh because, again, you, you're, that doesn't work. You, you're not <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. Yep, you're not supposed to do that. The story of your life. Yep, story of my life. Just, you know, always got to 
always got to do something unique and different. But we took those deep diving crankbaits, we threw them on spinning rods. And the reason that we did this um, is speed and efficiency. So I could pull up to those premium spots that I had mentioned and I could bomb cast out with the spinning rods and get my bait down in the strike zone 25 to 30 feet because they're running braid. Braid allows your, your bait to, to dive a lot right. deeper. And uh, I could have that casted out, you know, before the big motor was even shut off to get the kicker going. You know, as we're gliding in, I was immediately down in those strike zones. So we would we would run past those those uh, premier spots and it's either you got got bit or you didn't. And uh, if you didn't, you just move on to the next one. So we're just running, gunning, and we were just firing through these primo spots. And the thing about premier spots, uh, that's where the apex uh, predator will sit. So we were catching muskies and giant pike. But guess what? The walleyes you catch, they're all giants. They're big boys. They're the big boys because they were on that primo apex predator spot. So we were we were just grinding those big baits down in the rocks and we were, we were getting a reaction bite. It, it, when you, when you run those deep diving, big, big bill crankbaits in the rocks, uh, it creates a really unique action off of that because they'll be clanking on the rocks they'll hang up and then they'll, they'll bounce off of there. And, uh, I don't think these fish were feeding. In fact, I know they weren't feeding because the whole entire field was trying to force feed them and couldn't get bit. Uh, they were just, they were grabbing off a reaction so that they were sitting on the backside of these giant boulders and that, that bait would come rattling and grinding off them rocks and get hung up and it would produce, you know, a different looking action and they would just grab it. So they were just grabbing More of like it. a reaction bite. Straight out of reaction. You know, it was just coming off at a, you know, at a unique um, angle and they were just, they were, they were grabbing it. So I think that the lake is full of crayfish, and I think with the way that the the bill would uh, grind on the rocks like that was, uh, you know, mimicking what what crayfish do. So, um, you know, that's one other theory theory that we have. So either they were entirely on a crayfish bite, and that's why no one could get bit, um, or it was just creating a, a reaction that, uh, you know, that they just they, they couldn't resist. I mean, the best way I can explain it is if, you know, you were you know, sitting around with a buddy and he, he really wasn't looking. You had a baseball and you threw it at him and he called his name. He's going to reach up and catch it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's like, it's like, it's like, Hey Lee, you know, and there's a ball coming at you. You're going to grab it. So it doesn't hit you in the face. Right. Yeah. Well, there's he, something in my DNA or biology that I'm supposed to react to this. Yeah. You should react to that because it's going to hurt when it hits you. So when that crankbait's <laughs> grinding along and it's coming right at their face, they might not know exactly why they open their mouth to grab that thing, but they do it. Right. So I, you know, I don't have any science behind it, but, um, you can just visualize that kind of thing, you know, happening. So a reactionary type of bite. That's got to feel great to win a tournament, a big tournament that means a lot to you, that you carve time out of your busy schedule to fish every year with your limited time that you have and to win it with, you know, the rod that you created is in your hand. I, I mean, that's, that moment of holding up that trophy or that check has got to be uh, a very intense moment of euphoria in some way that I think a lot of people won't be able to experience uniquely like you have. Yeah, it's, it's super hard to explain. And, and, and there was more to that win than, than, you know, people, 
people understand. And you mentioned with the with the rod that I designed and developed, and you know that seven one was was entirely you know my my brainchild. Um, the six ten was uh was Chris's uh, design and um, you know his specified action, but I ent- I entirely specified and created the the load chart for that seven one for a unique bite that uh, is actually a rigging bite, totally different from this. Uh, this unorthodox trolling 30 foot divers on a spinning rod, but it, it, uh, it worked really, really well. Cause it is, a it is more of a, uh, a, a moderate, uh, type of type of action. So there was a ton of forgiveness there. So you had a whole bunch of shock resistance. Cause when, when these big fish, you know, when they, when, a you know, six to eight pound fish, you know, slams that slams that bait and you're, you know, trolling at, you know, three miles an hour. Uh, something's got to give there and you you definitely uh need you need that uh to absorb that way so it was really the perfect rod for what for how this ended up working out to give you all kinds of cushion um i don't think we lost a fish in in a couple days and you got to remember dylan had his personal best at 31 and a half inches and that fish broke 10 pounds so think about well ripping along at uh you know over three miles an hour and all of a sudden you know a 10 pound fish you know, it just puts the, puts the brakes on that. So, you know, you, you got to have a lot of, uh, a lot of shock absorption there. So this rod was just perfect. Dude, what a great time to catch your personal best. In <laughs> no <a tournament>. Yeah. <laughs> Unreal. You know, that's the well, third thing that capped it off. So not only was it the, the championship, it was on a rod I developed and then good buddy and tournament partner catches his, his personal best. I mean, the stars couldn't aligned any better. Really. Oh man, hopefully you guys are celebrating. I would be stoked. Yeah, it, it was. It was uh it was a special time for us and probably the uh probably the highlight of my entire fishing career for sure. So, well, congrats again, dude. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Let's uh so what do you have for us this spring? What does JT Outdoors have for us this spring? Four new rods is what I'm looking at right now. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 stoked about the about the release. Uh, Has this been your biggest release yet with bringing product to market all at once? Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's 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 pretty much insane because releasing four rods <laughs> and the amount of work that goes into that is 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 just ridiculous. But again, we're we're trying to push the envelope, and you know, it's uh, a lot of people say, "Boy, you like uh, inflicting misery on yourself," and that's partially true. But uh, we're we're um, we're proud of what we have here. You can't do that, Joe. You're not supposed to do that. Nope, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, there's a common theme that goes on, but yeah, about the about the rods. Yeah, um, let's start with the eight foot ascend trolling rod. This is one that actually I have been looking for big time, especially I think a lot of people in the Great Lakes have been looking for it because there's a lot of trolling that goes on Saginaw Bay, Erie, um, even in Lake uh Huron Moore and in Lake Michigan. But tell us a little bit about that eight foot uh, centrolling rod. Yeah. And, and again, um, we were trying to build something that, that, that didn't exist. So the, the, the industry and and even guys at the highest level have had the belief that your trolling rods could be lower end rods. Just, it doesn't matter. It's a trolling rod. It goes in the holder, just buy whatever, uh, you know, these guys are using $600 jig sticks, but they're fine with a $50 trolling rod. And, um, I, I never understood that. Um, so, so this rod is, uh, it's a lead core rod. 
this is for trolling lead core. And it's uh, something I do a lot. I consider lead core trolling um, really my niche. Um, I do I do a ton of it in tournaments and have been lead core trolling for a uh, better part of uh, 20 years now. And the thing about lead core trolling is it's uh, your, your contour trolling. So it's actually really, really precise. Uh, the beauty of lead core is it's, uh, it's a really predictable dive curve. So through line counter reels, you can, uh, you can get baits within inches of the bottom. But the trouble with running baits inches from the bottom is you got you to gotta know where it's at. And inches from the bottom can mean grabbing a weed or grabbing a leaf or grabbing, you know, a tiny bit of debris or, or following or, or having the crankbait foul up a little right. bit. Well, that $50 rod, you don't know if you're, if you're pulling a weed. You don't know if, you're, if your bait is digging on the bottom. And instead of being two inches off, you're actually dragging that bait on the bottom. Totally ineffective. So um, I had for years been trying to find, uh, you know, a good lead core trolling rod. Never found it. So um, this is one I set out to do, to do personally. So for the first time, I've taken a, a high-end carbon fiber blank uh, and created a, a one-piece eight-foot trolling rod. Um, one piece because through telescoping rods and through two-piece rods, you lose uh, a lot of that sensitivity and that energy transfer, and then you can't you can't tell what that what that bait is doing. So with this ascendant rod, um, at any given time, uh, you can see the action um, of that lure in that rod tip, and you can feel it in the handle, so you know if that thing is running right. Um, you know, if you're dragging around for an hour of bait that's not working right, you just lost an hour. So, you know, that uh, that's just is not acceptable in a tournament when some of your feeding windows, uh, you know, can be, you know, as, as little as 15 minutes. You got to you got to have everything working perfectly. So uh, we feel like we've created something that doesn't exist. Awesome. Can you pull mono with it, too, even though it's kind of built more towards like core? Yeah, definitely, because. Um, you're able to see that, see that action mono or lead core or any long line trolling or, or braid. It's just, it's going to telegraph what that bait is doing, uh, better than, better than any rod out there. Well, bonus next up is the six, nine black rain medium action rod. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. The black rain, this thing has just been, been nuts. So we just released it. Um, what a well thought out name. <laughs> yeah. <it> was, uh, <laughs> we, we racked our brains and racked our brains and, uh, you know, we came up with the color combinations before we named it and we just thought, what the heck is going to be powerful enough to describe, you know, what this, what this rod is. And, um, just kind of hit me one day. So that, uh, you know, that, that name is, has taken off and naming's a, naming's a big part. I mean, going back to your question on, on, uh, you know, what kind of advice would I give? Good names are, are, are huge. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. That's, that's how you communicate uh, to other people is, is through names. So that's that's how you get a lot of traction with products. But um, back to back to the the black rain. So this was really in response to um, our JTX, which is a which is a medium light. So the JTX, I make that in a six ten medium light and a seven one medium light. Um, There's a lot of anglers that bought that that uh, they love the rod, uh, but they wanted something just a just a touch heavier. Uh, for when they're when they're working uh, baits like up to an ounce, um, one thing that has really taken the fishing world by storm is uh, is the moonshine shiver minnows and the uh, and the jig and wraps. Yeah, uh, both a very similar type of bait there, but the bigger ones are are a full one ounce. Um, 
so this is really the tech technique specific part is really for throwing those baits so it's uh you know it's about 15 percent um, heavier uh, power curve uh, over the over the jtx so um it's uh just just give you a little more horsepower uh, when you need it so no i think that was a solid move especially like you said the fishing trend, I don't think that I can remember something this big coming into tournament play and or being more successful for uh, fishermen in open water was to take that, that jig and wrap or that moonshine lure and, you know, ripping it back to the boat. I've caught many walleye on that, and I've preached that for, I don't know, three years now to some of my friends the saying that you got to bust out your ice your ice jigs that you got, throw it on there and give it a shot. And it's been working phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been responsible for so many checks cashed in tournaments. I mean, it's the, it's the latest and greatest uh, technique for sure. And, um, it's super addicting, right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard to go out and not want to just throw shiver minnows because the, the bite is just, it's, it's so fun. They, they just, they just slam and it's so effective. So it's a super fun um, way to fish, man. It is so much it, funner than like trolling I and mean, trolling can be boring at times, but it's what you got to do to put fish in the boat. But just having a good time is throwing something out there is you catch other fish on it too. I've caught smallmouth pike, everything else goes after that thing in a hot bite. Everything bites a shiver. So it's, uh, you know, I've, we, we did that, did that show on Leech Lake and, uh, you know, our, our goal wasn't to make it a, a, a shiver minnow show, but, um, guess what? That's what they wanted. What so it ended up do. being a, a shiver minnow show. Um, but, um, we caught everything. Like you said, I mean, we had giant pike and we had, um, ton of walleyes and perch. And I mean, it's just such a fun technique. So this rod is, uh, is a match made in heaven for, for those baits. Yeah, I'm going to try it on the Detroit River for jigging. Um, sometimes a shorter rod can be very advantageous for boat for uh, lure control and everything like that to make sure that you're staying vertical. So something with a little bit more backbone, I'm, I'm excited to try that one on the Detroit River this year. Yeah, you know, that's a good point there, Lee. Um, obviously, you're going to be in a current situation, so you might be using, you know, a, a three-quarter, maybe even up to a, a one-ounce jig. And, you know, the... Uh, the medium light is, is going to be a little bit too light for that, where that, that rod is going to be deflected just a bit more than, than you want with that, with that one ounce. So just having that, having that stiffer action, um, will help, help you work that, work that bait a, a little bit better. It's, uh, it's a little bit hard to work a, a one ounce, uh, jig when the, when the rod is, uh, is partially loaded up already. It's just, it's too limber. So, um, this is, uh, this is going to be a good fit for you there. Now this next rod, we talk a lot about walleye here, and obviously Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michiganders—they love their walleye. But if there's guys out there that like bass, you came out with a seven foot three bait caster, medium heavy, right? I, I did, and this is uh, this is us breaking into the into the bass world, and you know, fortunate enough to have some staff guys that are uh, strictly bass guys. Um, Jason Brennick was really influential in this. He's a staff guy from Wisconsin. He's had a lot of success in the, uh, in the FLW tournament series. He's won a, a lot of tournaments and he's, he's at the pinnacle, uh, in the bass world. So I consulted with, with him quite a bit. And, uh, you know, we wanted to, for our first launch, uh, create the most utility rod, uh, possible. 
and that's where uh we looked at that that seven foot three uh, medium heavy uh to rod you can do you can do a ton of stuff with i mean you can throw frogs in the slop you can uh um you, you can put uh, jigs on it and punch them into milfoil and you can cast spinner baits with this thing so it's uh you know it's a it's a great uh, utility stick and just uh you know again really really high-end uh, uh components so it's uh that'll fall under the, the the black rain line of rods and use recoil eyelets and you know high grade uh, uh handle sets with carbon fiber inserts for the max maximum amount of uh feel uh and energy transfer through that blank uh blank directly back into your hand so uh that's uh that's really geared towards the bass guys but um you know initial sales and talking to people and asking them what they're buying it for there's there's a lot of guys that uh are going to use that for uh for pike and uh you know even even some musky guys that are like hey when i throw smaller baits for muskies when things are tough I'd rather have that lighter rod like that. I can fish with it all day and not, uh, not get fatigued. So smaller bucktails and, um, things like that. So we're, we're finding that there's, there's other applications for it as well. I can tell you from my standpoint that you're going to see guys using this for, uh, vertical jigging for lake trout and deep water and also for salmon as well in the great lakes out over here in the bays and yep. stuff like that. Guys do that. They need to get those fish up fast. Uh, obviously they're going to want a bait caster reel for that and something heavy to bring those fish up with. I think you're going to see another application for this rod with that as well. Yeah. I mean, there, there certainly will be that. And both those things you mentioned, uh, absolutely be, be a good fit there. Um, you know, even some walleye guys that have, have bought it already and said, Hey, when I'm using, you know, one and a half to two ounce bouncers, yeah. I need a medium heavy rod. So, yeah. um, you know, in the great lakes, a lot of times they'll, it's nothing to put on a two, two and a half, uh, ounce, you know, bouncer. And when you put a two and a half ounce bouncer on, or even two ounce, you need a heavy rod. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, a, a medium spinning, it's going to, you're going to be pretty outmatched with that. So, um, you know, just a great all around utility rod with that, with that casting handle. That's awesome. And number four, the seven, three JTX mag light. Let's end it with, uh, with, uh, with some tips about that one. Yep. So that's, uh, the purpose and the, the technique of, of that one is, uh, is your finesse, uh, walleye rod. And this, uh, this really came from the feedback we're getting on the seven foot panhandler, which is a, which is a panfish rod that we released, uh, last year. Again, we wanted to make a, a high end, uh, panfish rod. And, um, with that, I was getting a lot of feedback that guys were using that uh, seven footer for finesse walleye fishing, and uh, some of our staff guys actually won a won a tournament this way. And they said, "Hey, without that without that light rod, uh, we wouldn't have caught these fish." So it was a weed line bite, and it was really high pressure, and there was boats all around in there, and um, those fish were just barely barely grabbing uh, the the spinner rig, and you basically had to had to just hold the rod and not, you know, open the bale and feed line in a traditional way. You just, you had to let the rod just load up on its own and not really make any movements because they would, they would drop the bait. So, um, with this, I thought, boy, someone needs to make a good finesse walleye rod. So, so we did that. So the tip is a lot like that, that panhandler rod, but it does have, uh, does have more backbone uh, near the handle. So, 
uh, you can have a little bit of horsepower to, to turn a big fish if needed. So, and it's also at seven foot three is going to be a phenomenal, uh, slip bobber rod. That's what I was um, going to ask next. I, to me, that yeah. just rings slip bobber. Yeah. So that's, that was also in mind when I was designing this, but, um, it's a rod that I'll, I'll use to, uh, to troll bullet weights. I do a lot of that on the weed edge where you're actually, you know, trolling a, a Lindy rig, you know, one, one, two to, to one, four and the baits up off the, off the bottom. It's not traditional Lindy rigging by any means. You're using a quarter to three eighths ounce, uh, bullet weight and a really short snell. So you can pull it through the weeds and not have your spinner get fouled up. And it's really kind of a, it's kind of a unique bite. The fish just come up and they, they just kind of close their mouth on it and they swim along with it. And the rod is just, is just barely loading over time. And, you know, if you just, if you just try to set the hook right then and there, you just rip the hook right out of their mouth. So you gotta, you gotta kind of sit on them fish. But when you're sitting on a fish like that, they can't feel, you know, any of the, any of the blank there. So if it's a, if it's not a real soft tip like that and they feel that hard stop, they're going to spit that every single time. So we've tried to do this with medium rods and you're like, Oh, there he is. And then it's like, what happened? He's gone. Well, they, they feel the weight of that rod. So they come up and grab that and you gotta, you gotta have the patience just to sit on those fish and you just, you just wait for the rod to load, load up. You, you let the rod actually end up uh, pinning those, pinning those fish. And you just, you just kind of sweep forward at no point in time are you really even setting the hook. So we've taken what was, uh, you know, about a 50% hookup rate to 90 or better by just almost using this, Lee, how we use our, our winter uh, snare rod where you just let the rod load up. And the only way to really screw it up is to, to go over there and try to set the hook where you just let the whole rod be loaded up. And that's, that's really what you want to do with this thing. Just, just let it, let it load up and just, you know, kind of sweep and, and start reeling. Dude, that technology from that snare rod has changed my ice fishing success so much. I can't explain to people. I mean, obviously I'm on staff and, you know, I can sit here and you, you think I'm just giving you a line, but dude, I'm telling you, I, I've got this video that's going to come out next. I'll probably release it sometime before ice fishing season next year where I caught that steelhead. Mm-hmm. And when that thing oh, came, awesome. when I, that thing came in, that rod was just, you know, bent straight down. I just went over there very gently and just kind of picked it up because I only had six pound test on that thing and I didn't know when it was going to go. But like you said, the rod's got to be forgiving to a certain point and it's also got to have that backbone in it. And yep. that's what's going to set you apart. And, you know, that's why I think JT is with energy transfer and technique specific rods. I think that's something that you're going to hear a lot more of and maybe some competitors in the future are going to gear their business towards technique specific rods because that's what people are going to be buying for those different kinds of bites, which we, we just went over. Yeah, we absolutely, you know, believe in it. And, you know, back to when originally, you know, formulated our, our mission statement and something we'll never deviate from is uh, creating that rod that gives the angler an elite advantage. And to do that, you got to create a technique specific rod. You got, you got to create that, that thing that's going to give you that difference. Well, Joe, I think we kept you long enough. Joe Bricko, the entrepreneur, tournament angler, father, husband, everything else. You're crazy Joe. <laughs> yeah, I would, uh, I would tend to agree, but you know, we're, we're having fun with it. And, uh, really what keeps me going is, is the overwhelming amount of feedback. I mean, I don't think there's a day that goes by that I don't get a, 
you know, a nice message from a customer that says, Hey, your rods have totally changed the game for me. So, uh, you know, I've, I've been able to get my kids into fishing because of the snare rod or the, you know, sensitivity of the panhandler, or, Hey, I want a tournament or I got my personal best on your rod. And it's just, it's literally every day. And that's what, that's what keeps me going. So big, uh, big shout out to our customers for all their support and, uh, and staff couldn't do it without good staff. Yeah, you bet. And thank you for sharing so much knowledge on everything from how you got started and your business model and uh, your success with uh, with the AIM tournament. And good luck, by the way, in the national championship. We're going to be rooting for you. Thanks, man. Yep, follow it on AIM's Facebook page. But appreciate all the support and uh, taking time out of your day to, to, to do the, uh, the podcast. Thanks again, Lee. And that was Joe, everybody, from JT Outdoor Products. Head on over to jtoutdoorproducts.com. That's abbreviated at jtodp.com. And check out those four new open water rods we just went through. And if you have any questions, go look and see who's on the pro staff and see who's in your area. They're going to be more than willing to help you out and answer any questions that you have about the JT products and probably even meet up with you and let you demo whatever one you're interested in. So... Take advantage of that. I mean, come on. Open water season is here. It's amongst us. You got to get going. And if you buy online, you'll be able to save yourself 5% off of your order if you type in L-Klino, that's L-K-L-E-I-N-O-W, at checkout and save you 5%. So, all right, folks, that's it for now. I've got another podcast coming up soon, uh, some more great guests, and we're going to keep this thing rolling. Again, I really appreciate you guys listening. And uh, cheers.